welcome to Preach to Teach. I'm your host, Pastor Cliff Miller Sr. This part of the show is called Basic Training. Some might call it Bible study, but we call it Basic Training because we start with the basics. A little bit at a time, not trying to overwhelm you or impress you with fancy words and sayings. If you're looking for a performance, this ain't that show. If you're looking for somebody to manipulate the word to make you feel good and make us sound impressive, this ain't that show. Dr. Lehman Newtall, Senior Pastor of Thy Word Worship Center, located in Plymouth, Minnesota, breaks the word down in a way that everybody can understand, showing you the Greek and Hebrew translations that you may not know the meaning to, making sure that you have all the tools as a Christian to handle the ways of the world. So without any further ado, let's jump right into this session of basic training with Dr. Lehman Newtall. I gotta ask for help from the Lord. So y'all just look to heaven with me as I pray and ask God for help. Father, I thank you, Lord. Thank you once again for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for another day, Lord. Thank you for another opportunity, Lord, to talk to your people and teach your word. Now, Lord, we ask that you bless those that are listening. Lord, bless me, bless my voice, bless my understanding. Lord, let me be able to articulate your word clearly to your people. I thank you for the help in advance. In Jesus Christ's name. Amen. 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 All right. All right. As long as I ask for help, I'll be all right. Amen. All right. You know, it's like I, I like to start off saying welcome to everybody to basic training, our Bible studies. We thank God for you joining us this evening. But I like to begin like this. Proverbs chapter two, verse one through six. He says this, it says, my son, if if you will receive my words, this is King James translation. If you receive my words and hide my commandments with thee so that thou incline thy ear unto wisdom and apply thy heart to understand. Yea, if thou cries out after knowledge and you lift up your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures, then shall you understand fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. And the last verse said this, for the Lord giveth wisdom out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. One more chapter, chapter four, verse seven. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and in all thy getting, get an understanding. Now, I'm going to challenge you, my listeners. Remember those two chapters, chapter 2 of Proverbs, chapter 4, and those scriptures, because I, I, I pray them every time I get ready to read the Bible. I pray, I pray those all the time. I ask God. God, give me, give me understanding now. Because a lot of times when I get Bible questions, 
from individuals. It's it's something that they've read that is not it's not clear. It's not definitive, and they they're trying to get an understanding of what it says. And honestly, I can tell you, I've read some scriptures in the Bible, and we're gonna read one a couple of tonight that kind of contradicts something that I already know is true. And so I know if if me being a scholar, I, well, I call myself a Bible scholar because of I, because I've been extensively in school and uh, theology school, seminary, and so forth, and I have the degrees that you have to get in order to get to a certain area of knowledge. But I still, you know, reading something is one thing. And knowing something is another thing. But articulating it or teaching it or explaining it, that's the challenge. That's that's not easy. <laughs> A lot of us teachers, we make it sound easy. We make it look easy. But I, trust me, it is not easy to try to explain something that's, that seems like it's contradictory. God does... He said, now, the Bible says that all sins are equal. But no, sin, no, no sin is greater than the other one. Right? And that question was right. I said, well, I read that. And the answer is, no, all sins are not equal in the Bible. Now, I'm going to show you some scriptures. Turn to Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16. Because God does view sin differently. And he has different punishment depending on the severe, or the level of the sin. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16. It says, it said, these things, these six things, King James translation says, these six things do what the Lord hate. Yes. Seven of them are an abomination unto him. The first one is, number verse 17, a proud look. That's pride. That's number one on God's list that he hates. He hates out of the hundreds and hundreds of sins that we can commit, and, lot, and some of us do them all the time, different sins every day. The, the number one sin that he hates is pride. See, for one thing, pride will, pride will keep you from admitting you wrong. Pride will keep you from confessing and bending your knees. To God, because your ego is in the way, and you, and you think you know it all, and you think you got it all together. You think you're smart, so God hates that. In fact, that's what got the devil kicked out of heaven. Many of you already know that. So if it got him kicked out, you know that's number one on God's list. So that's bad. Number two, a lying tongue. There's people that would lie on you that don't even know you. Just to make you look bad. That's a slander of your name. Just God hates that. And hands that shed innocent blood. You can take that for what it's worth. In other words, anybody that lose their life that's innocent and shouldn't have their life taken from them, such as unborn children, abortions, God hates that. I know there'll be some people that listen to this and won't agree with me, but that, that's fine with me. Just don't don't shoot the messenger. Just read. 
And so keep going. A heart that divides wicked imaginations. There's people that sit around and think about things to do bad. Just plan things and just, just contemplate evil. And God hates that. And feet that swift and running to do mischief. Some people just can't wait to go do something. They go wait to tell somebody something on somebody else. Well, what did I tell you about this? That run and can't wait, can't sit still. And don't mean that don't mean they're running. Literally, they can pick up the phone. Can't wait to pick the phone up and, and tell something on somebody that they heard. They ain't got no proof, no facts. They just heard it. Keep going. A false witness that speaks lies. That speaks for itself. Not a real witness. A false witness. Don't know what they're talking about. And the last one is this one. He that soweth discord among the brethren. Now this is bad, y'all. Because this one right here is not only somebody that ain't got their life together. This is somebody who trying to mess somebody else up. Trying to get somebody just because they don't like you. They trying to get somebody else not to like you because they got a problem with you. And they'll spread something. Sowing discord. Among the brethren. Brethren don't mean brother. That that means siblings. There's, there's, I know people right now that's got family members that's jealous of them and just lying on them. I, I, know, I, I know this for a fact. I'm not making this up. Ain't nothing I heard. And they, and they lying on them and they, and they call other people to tell them about the lie and just to get them to not like somebody that they don't like. That's sad, y'all. So God does view sins differently. And he went on to ask me this question. Of, Would not forgiving be the ultimate sin? Not forgiving someone be the ultimate sin? And I'll turn to 1 John. And I'm going to answer that question with a scripture. Another scripture. 1 John, all the way in the back. You got 1st John, 2nd John, and 3rd John. Not the, not the gospel according to John, but all the way toward the back, toward the book of Revelation. Look at 1st John chapter 5, verse 16. And if you don't mind, I'm going to read this out of the New Living Translation. But I like this translation, and I... I've double-checked it, and it's and it's, it's it's accurate. Now, First John chapter five, verse sixteen. It says, "If if you see a Christian sinning in a way that does not end unto death, you should ask God to forgive him, and God will give him life. Unless he has sinned that one fatal sin." But there is that one sin, it goes on to say, which is ends in death. And if he has done that sin, there is no use praying for him. Verse 17, every wrong is a sin. Of course, it says, I'm not talking about these ordinary sins. I'm speaking of that one that ends in death. So that's the, the ultimate sin. What is the ultimate sin? 
what is the ultimate sin that ends in death? And here it is. The rejection. To hear the gospel. To receive the gospel. To taste the goodness of the Lord. And turn around and reject it. Turn around and refuse it. That's the ultimate sin. There's no coming back for that from that one. Because the only way you can come back is to be forgiven. And we're going to talk about two words that this individual asked me about. And a lot of people get them confused. Here we go. Let me keep reading. He said, even if you still don't forgive, you can re repent and admit that you are a sinner for not forgiving. But if you still don't forgive, you can't keep repenting, right? That was a question that he asked me. You can't keep repenting, right? Well, here's the here's the two words that a lot of people get confused. They're not interchangeable. Repenting and forgiving or asking for forgiveness is two different things. They're not the same. In order for you to be right with God, the first thing you have to do is repent. Repenting is what you do. That means to, 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 to think again or to change your mind. In other words, you was going the wrong direction, away from God, but you changed your mind and turned around and started going toward God, start going toward Christ. That's called repentance. That means I had a lifestyle that wasn't pleasing to God, but I'm, I'm changing my mind about that lifestyle. And now I want to know how God would want me to live. So that's repentance. And when you repent like that, sincerely, mark the word I said, sincerely. See, now we talked about how some people can lose their salvation. And that was a question that's up, up, in, up in the air because I always said, I ended that broadcast saying that God, man looks out on the outs appearance, but God looks at the heart. So there's no, there's really no way possible for anybody to know if anybody truly repented because we can't see the person's heart. I mean, Judas, Judas, one of the 12 disciples, one of the 12 apostles, he followed Jesus. And that's what a follower, a Christian is a follower of Christ. He walked with Jesus. He followed Christ for three and a half years. And at the last minute, he betrayed him. But Jesus knew all along that he was, he was going to do that. But the, the, the other dis apostles didn't think that. He was, he was with them the whole time. They had no idea that they had a, a, a traitor, a Benedict Arnold, walking with them, eating with them, breaking bread, singing hymns. He blended right in. But his heart wasn't right. The Bible says that he was doomed. He was the son of perdition. That means he was doomed from, from the beginning, doomed for destruction. He didn't make it in. 
So if you truly repented, then God will forgive you. He will forgive you of your sins, all of your sins. No sin that won't be forgiven, except the unpardonable sin or the unforgivable sin or the one that leads to death. And that's the flat out rejection of Jesus Christ, of what he did on the cross. If you can't accept that, God can't accept you. Don't get mad at me. This is scripture. And so, and I noticed that when he kept asking me those questions, I kept seeing the word forgive and repent. Forgive and repent. And so, I don't know wait, what made him ask me these questions. I didn't ask him. But I had, I had to I answer the questions the best I could. But today I want to give scriptures because that person is listening tonight. And so remember I said, ask God for understanding. Give me understanding, Lord. Because there's some scriptures in the Bible that on the surface, if you read it, you'll get a perception of what it's saying. And it might, you might think it's saying one thing, but you got to remember a lot of words and the Bible was translated. All of it was translated from Greek and Hebrew. But in those, before it was translated to, to, from Greek to English, it was Greek. And so those Greek words have a lot of different meanings that look the same word, but different meanings. And we're going to go, go there in a minute. So my question is, I had somebody else ask me, how, how do I know? How do I, how would I know? Because nobody knows that they gonna really go to heaven. How, how do I know if I'm, if I really go to heaven? Because this word, unforgiveness, a lot of people can read a scripture, and I'm gonna read it for you today. And it seems like if they don't forgive a person or someone else, and they died. I seen a viral a, a video that, that's gone viral. That this priest in up, up in Michigan, he died. He had a heart attack, and he died. And he said that he he saw himself going up, but then all of a sudden he stopped going up and he started going down. He saw this while he was dead. Heart had stopped. Flatline. And he said he he went into hell. And he went down there. I know y'all probably seen this video. If you haven't, Google it. It's a priest that died and went to hell for. And he said that he saw people down there, men on all fours, walking like dogs, and but their eyes bulging out, and and they had collars on their neck with chains with demons pulling them around like dogs. And, they were they were just wailing and and so much agony and pain. He said he wouldn't even wish this on his worst enemies. And he saw all these things and he heard music. He said he heard a lot of music, certain songs. I'm not gonna repeat that person that the lyrics that he heard, but it, but you you Google this and you'll see it and listen to it. But then he said, God told him in hell that you you got here because 
of unforgiveness. You've died with unforgiveness in your heart. You died wanting me, God told him, wanting me to do harm to somebody that hurt you. And you wanted me to take care of them. You wanted me to do them in. And God, he said that all of a sudden, God sent him back. And he came back to life. And it scared him real bad. And so this video has went viral. And when I saw it, I said, wow, this, this is amazing. And the first scripture I thought about was the one I'm going to show you right now. Matthew chapter 6. Hold on to your hats, y'all. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 14. Verse 14 is 15. It says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, King James says, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Verse 15, but if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Now, this is pretty scary on the surface because you know a prerequisite for getting into heaven is to repent and receive forgiveness from God. But this scripture just said if you don't forgive someone else, God won't forgive you. Now, I got to admit, this is not one of them easy ones to explain, but I'm going to, I pray. And I, I said, Lord, give me wisdom to explain the scripture and answer the question can unforgiveness send me to hell or can unforgiveness keep me from heaven well let's go there first of all I want you to look first of all I want you to know something about this scripture this scripture don't take it out of context those two verses because I've always taught my students that a text out of context is a pretext. In other words, the text is the verse that I read and the context is the whole chapter. Now, a pretext is something that's hidden or concealed or disguised. In other words, if you take a text out of the context, you can make it say whatever you want it to say. But if you keep it in, you can't get it wrong. So first of all, this subject is not about heaven. It's not about hell. It's not about forgiveness or unforgiveness. This chapter is talking about prayer. Yeah, it's talking about communication. It's talking about having a communication, a commune with God on a relationship level. That's what it's talking about. And so two, a few things I want to point out to you. This is why I love studying out the King James 
because those original words you can trace back to Greek and Hebrew and get the meaning. Notice first that he used the word trespass. Verse 14. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive men not their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. Now, if you read that those two scriptures out of any other verse, out of any other translation of any other Bible, it doesn't say trespasses. It says sin. So I had I looked up the the original word for trespasses. Oh yeah, y'all know I, you know as a as a teacher, you better do your homework, do your study. When God give you the the anointing to teach, it's not a regular teaching. God God will have you get understanding and revelation to go deeper under the surface, beneath the surface, and, and pull out some gems. I'm gonna spell this word for you: P A R A. P-T-O-M-A, paraptima. That's this Greek word for trespasses. And it means to error. It means to side slip. And it means fault. Now it also means sin, but in this case, it's talking about a fault. Have you ever been driving along in a pretty rural area or expensive area and you're driving and driving and you you come past a a, a gated community that have a sign on it that says no trespassing yeah and if you climb the fence or cross the line you have trespassed that's a fault he said that if you don't if you don't forgive men their faults I won't forgive you now pay close attention to some words that Jesus was using first of all he said uh, this was a prayer in verse 9 he said after this manner in other words after this I want you to this is the way I want you to pray he said the first thing I want you to say when you pray is our Father, which art in heaven. Wait a minute. Now, thousands and thousands of people will read that and they know it by heart, some of them, but they don't understand the history about behind why Jesus used those words. This was revolutionary when Jesus told the disciples this. What do you mean by revolutionary? That's the new tongue. This is what I mean. Up until this point, they never called God Father. They always started their prayer saying, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Their forefathers, those fathers, those, they said, I want to pray to our father's God. It was their father's God, not, not their father. But Jesus said, now, now that I came on board, now that I'm on the scene, I'm changing everything, Jesus said. So when you pray, from, he said, from now on when you pray, 
you call him father? Jesus says, because, because of me. And so, pay close attention now. It says, verse 14, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. So, wait a minute. Jesus is Jesus knew now, this is at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. This is the Sermon on the Mount. There was thousands and thousands of people that came to Jesus to hear from him. They found out about it. They was listening to him. He was up on the mountain talking and his voice was echoing down. And they didn't have no microphones. That's why he had to go up high and then the, the, the voice would just echo off the, the side of the mountain and the people were listening and they were down there. And these were potential converts. Some of them had given their life to follow him, but some of them was just coming and watching and being curious. So remember the prerequisite to going to heaven is God has to be your father. So he was telling some of them now, your heavenly father. He said, wait a minute. See, this is this is not people that wasn't saved. Because if they weren't saved, they couldn't call him father. But Jesus said, when you pray, call him father. That means they were in. So this couldn't be about forgiving or dying with unforgiveness or don't. Listen, let me say this. If this is, a, if it's a prerequisite to going to heaven is to make sure that you don't forget to ask for forgiveness for everything that you've thought that you said or that you've done or if you forget to pray for somebody or ask somebody ask for forgiveness for somebody who done you wrong then most of us if not all none of us will go to heaven none of us because we miss it and so this scripture is not talking about you not getting eternal salvation if you don't pray, if you don't ask for, if you don't forgive somebody else. What's how would that how does that sound? How would I wind up in hell for something you did to me? I'm gonna give you some scriptures. I'm gonna give you some more scriptures now. I'm painting my case because I want you to decide after I get through talking. See, when thing when, when scriptures look ambiguous, that means it, it kind of like gray area and they're, they're not specific and they sound contradicting, you got to let scripture interpret scripture. And that's what we're doing tonight. Now, that scripture and one other scripture alludes to the fact that if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. So my question to you is this. How do I know I can make it to heaven? John chapter 1, verse 10 through 12. That's the gospel according to John. And it reads, 
like this. He was in the world. That's Jesus. He was in the world. And the world was made by him. And the world knew him not. Verse 11. He came unto his own, his own people, the Jews. And his own received him not. Mean they rejected him. But, verse 12. But as many as received him. To them. He gave power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe in his name. That word sons of God means children. I've heard people say for years, certain people would say, we're all God's children. No, we're not. What, what do you mean? But that scripture just told me he came to his own. Jesus came here to redeem the Jews, Jews, the Hebrews, but they rejected him. And he said, well, let me go on to the highways and byways and slow those that do receive him to them he gave the right to become children of God that's the prerequisite to becoming God's child is to receive Jesus John chapter, John chapter 14 verse 3 and if I go and prepare a place for you I'll come again and receive you into myself there where I am there you may be also. Verse 4. And where I'm going, you know. And the way, you know. But verse 5. Thomas, one of the apostles, said, wait a minute, Lord. Lord, we don't know where you're going. And we don't know the way. But we don't even know how to get there. But Jesus said unto them, I'm the way. The truth. In the life, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. So if you want to get in, you got to come through me, Jesus said. John chapter 20, verse 31. Going back, going to the back, back of John, same the same book, just go to chapter 20 and 30. It said, many other signs that Jesus did. In the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written. These signs are written. Signs means miracles. They're written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life through his name. First John chapter 5. Verse 13, it said, these things I have written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know, somebody said it, know, that you may know, not think, not guess, but that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Romans chapter 10. Verse 13. All right, here we go. For whosoever, the scripture just said, for whosoever shall call upon the name 
of the Lord shall be saved. You call on his name. He's guaranteed you eternal life. Oh, give you one more scripture. John chapter 3, the gospel according to John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John chapter 3, verse 36. I know a lot of just about the whole world is used to John chapter 3, verse 16. They know that for God so loved the world that he gave his begotten son, his only begotten son, that whosoever believed on him or believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Now jump down to verse 36. He that believes on the son have everlasting life. And he that believed not the son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abide on him. Now, I just gave you five or six scriptures, and there's more. Now, anytime, like I said, if you want to interpret scripture that seems unclear, it don't have a definite answer, you have to, first of all, you have to have understanding, and you have to ask God to show me, show me the, what is this saying? This says, if I believe on the Lord, I'm, I guarantee, I guarantee eternal life. You, you see, the, the instant, oh, the moment you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, immediately God becomes your Father. I didn't say later on in life, I said immediately He becomes your Father. Now, let me give you an example. My physical relationship with my earthly father can never be broken. Genetically, can't be broken. No matter what I do, We can never be unrelated. I adopted my grandson when he was three months old. He's eight years old now. He was sick. We got him in the hospital. We adopted him. So legally, he is my son. But, but biologically or genetically, He's my son's son. He got his DNA. If, if he don't even take care of him, he's still his biological son. So my going to heaven to live with my heavenly father is not contingent about what I do or what I don't do if I miss the mark, I forget to pray for something. I forget to ask for forgiveness. I forget to forgive somebody. See, we're gonna talk about three things today, and I want you to get the, I want you to get a pen and write these down. Because this is why a lot of people struggle with unforgiveness. It's because they really don't 
understand what it is. And we're going to ask God to give us understanding. I'm going to give you some, I'm going to give you, first of all, what is unforgiveness? Second, what does it mean? Third, what it don't mean. This is crucial, y'all. So my heavenly father, look at Ephesians chapter two. We're going there, y'all. Ephesians chapter two, verse eight and nine. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is a gift of God verse 9 says not of works lest any man should boast what did that just say you are saved only by the grace of God everything that he did on the cross and you accept what he did that gets you in sincerely accept what he did on the cross Pay for your sins. Sacrifice his life for you. You believe that and receive him and live for him, you in. And it said, not of works. In other words, ain't nothing you can do to get in. But accept what he did. Lest any man could boast. He said, you ain't going to be able to brag and take credit for this one. This is something that only he can do. If I get, I get the, if you forget the, Listen, Jesus was talking to people in the audience that wasn't really, some of them weren't really his, God wasn't their father. And what's real interesting about this is there's another scripture in the book of Luke that almost sound the same way. Matthew chapter six, the Lord's prayer Almost sound the same. Let's go to Luke. Well, I guess I gave y'all all the information y'all need to make a decision. Luke, Luke chapter 11. It started verse 1. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, and when he ceased, that I means when he stopped praying, this is this he is Jesus. One of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray. Like John taught his disciples. Verse 2, Jesus told him, that disciple that came unto him, he said, when you pray, say, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as it is in heaven, as it is in earth. Verse 3, give us day by day our daily bread and forgive our sins. For we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And I said, Lord, I noticed that he didn't use, he didn't say anything about the, uh, the trespasses. 
And then God gave me an understanding. I said, okay, God. You see, this was at the end. At the beginning, in Matthew chapter 6, the Lord's Prayer, he was talking to potential people. Some of them was in, some of them were convinced, some of them wasn't. But this scripture, Luke said, one of his disciples came to him after they were watching Jesus pray. And they said, Lord, teach us how to do that. So he told, he said, this is, this is for my, this is for you, my father's son. You pray this way. He didn't mention anything about praying for trespassers. Somebody that trespasses you. Because that was his father. Because that was showing up his father. This was one of the disciples who he was following. But he put more emphasis in Matthew chapter 6 on forgiveness and unforgiveness and forgiveness and unforgiveness to those that were thinking about God being their father. Lord, I tell you, it's, it's amazing how when God, when Jesus got ready to leave, after he had been teaching and walking and helping and healing, ministering to his his disciples the bible says in john chapter 6 verse in john chapter 6 verse 66 he said many of his disciples did not follow him from that moment on now when you read the whole chapter john chapter 6 jesus these were people that he had just fed 5,000 plus women and children with two fish and five loaves of bread. He fed them all and they were following him. They were walking behind him. They were like, my God, this man feed us like this. We got to follow this. We got to go. But the Bible says in John chapter six that Jesus stood up and said something that made them all mad. Not all of them. All but 12. Then he said, now you ate. I fed all y'all. You saw the miracle. But I want to let y'all know, I'm the bread. I am the bread of life. He that eat my bread and drink of my blood shall never die or thirst again. And they heard that saying and said, what is this man talking about? Eat his flesh and drink his blood? We can't. Man lost his mind. They said from, from that moment on, many of them, hundreds of them, if not thousands, didn't follow Jesus any longer. You think they lost their salvation? I don't think. I don't think they really lost it. I think I don't think they never really had it. Because they was following him for the fish and the loaves. They was following him for something that he can do for them. Not for what they could do for him. Like serve and praise and worship. He knew their hearts. And they stopped following him. But those, those that really received him, to them, he gave the right to become children of God. Hallelujah. I'm almost done, y'all. Praise God. I want to talk to you about forgiveness. Yo, this is a big one. A lot of people struggle with it because they don't 
they don't understand what it is. It's sin. Unforgiveness is sin that leads to bitterness. It, it does. It, it'll lead to bitterness in your heart. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, that if we confess, if you confess our sins to the Lord, to the Lord, to God, he's faithful and he's just. Come on, let's look at it. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, it says, if, if we confess our sins, now you notice he didn't use the word transgress or transpasses. He was talking about the deeds, the sins against God and anybody else. He said he's faithful. That's God. God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, unforgiveness. What it is. We know it's a sin. It causes bitterness in the heart. Hurt causes bitterness. Anger can cause bitterness. Jealousy can cause bitterness. Envy, all that can cause bitterness. But unforgiveness is a dangerous one. It's, it's dangerous, y'all. It says if, if you confess, if you read the first John chapter one, verse nine, that whole thing is talking about fellowship. Now understand fellowship with God. Now see, there's a difference between fellowship and relationship. Now, see, I can have a but but my earthly father, we can have a, a good a good uh, rapport and have a good fellowship communication we get along but that has nothing to do with my relationship he's my father whether we get along or not genetically and so this, when the scripture is talking about God said I won't cover you I won't follow I won't forgive you trespass if you don't forgive somebody else trespasses see there's some things that you got to understand about God. My earthly children, the ones that had favor with me was the ones that didn't give me that much problems. Yeah, I had favors. The one that got the one that got the favor was the one that gave me less trouble. I was still that father, the ones that was bad. But it was some stuff that they wouldn't get from me because they was always being bad. But the one that was being good, I covered them. So God said, listen, I'm going to, the stuff that I'm not going to cover, God said, I'm not going to forgive. I'm not going to cover it. Now, if, it, if you hold on to it, now, they ain't going to keep you out of heaven, but it'll get you in the hospital quick because you'll wind up getting sick. Your body will start falling or failing on you because you're holding this, harboring this unforgiveness and it's going to mess with your heart. It's going to mess with your health. It's going to mess with your head. It's going to mess with your body. 
God said, I'm not going to cover that. I'll, I'll, allow, I'll allow you to get sick. I'm still your father, but I'm not going to cover it because you in disobedience toward the God. Now, we still have a relationship. You know what Adam got kicked out of the Garden of Eden? Adam got kicked out. This is something that everybody should know, but just for the record. Adam got kicked out of him and his wife because they disobeyed God. But they got kicked out the garden. And people have asked, I wonder did they make it to heaven? Here's something you have to understand about this scripture. After they got kicked out of heaven, uh, kicked out the garden, which was symbolically heaven because God was there. They was in the presence of God. The Bible says that they walked with God. They had fellowship with God. They had communion with God. But when they got when they disobeyed God, they got kicked out the house. They got kicked out of his presence. Now was he still I can kick my kids out the house, but I'm still their father. They get too big for their bridges, they gone, but I'm still their father. You can read in chapter four, it don't say much about Adam after that, but if you read in chapter four, but the Bible says that he had intimacy with his wife, Eve, and they had a child. And who did she give glory to? You read chapter four. Oh, let's read it. The Bible says in Genesis chapter four, verse one, and Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. The word knew means intimacy. When, when Jesus told some people that thought they were getting in heaven, he said, they said, Lord, we committed, didn't we do miracles in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we prophesy in your name? Bible said that Jesus said he will confess that depart from me I never knew you you doer of iniquity how can Jesus or and God who knows everything not know somebody this is not talking about theoretical knowledge this is talking about intimacy Jesus said depart from me I never had intimacy with you but I was praying prayer is not monologue Prayer is dialogue. When you have a relationship with somebody, you don't do all the talking. When you pray, you talk to God, but when he, you read, he talks to you. That's a relationship. There's people that pray every day, but they never let God have a chance to talk back. That's not a relationship. You're just going through the motions. So God told Adam said, the Bible says that Adam knew Eve or he had intimacy with Eve and they conceived and bore a child and said, verse one, still in verse one, I have gotten a man from the Lord. Gave God praise. God has blessed me, she said. Now they still had relationship, but they was out of fellowship because of the sin. And without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. So they couldn't get back into fellowship. But that's what Jesus came in for us. Now, all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans chapter uh, 3 verse 
23. All of us, whether we admit it or know it or do it on purpose or do it inadvertently, we all messed up. We all have sinned and all will sin. But the good news is he's paid for the sins. He paid for our sins. If we accept what he did on the cross, he took the punishment that you should have took and I should have took. Lord have mercy. So they were still in fellowship. They were still in relationship, but they was out of fellowship. So God said, if you hold unforgiveness with people that have done you wrong, that will hinder our that will hinder our fellowship. Our relationship and eternal, eternity, you good, but down here, that's gonna be some kinks that you're gonna wind up going down the wrong road and it, and it can it, it could lead you into despair. So it's no wonder when God, when Jesus said, now this is one script that I don't too many people like. In Matthew chapter five, read it with me y'all. Verse 44 and 45. He said, I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you, oh Lord. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Boy, it's easy to read this, but this ain't easy to do, y'all. I'm getting ready to close in a minute, but I gotta I gotta turn, I gotta give you a personal testimony. And this happened to me last year. I was asked to come and minister at a church from, from, from another pastor. And I accepted it and I went. Now, I did what I was supposed to do. I ministered. But afterwards, he came up. And when I sat down, he had on the microphone. And he made some comments. And he said some things that hurt me. He said some things that really emotionally got me upset. And he never thanked me. He never offered me an honorary, which is a love offering. And uh, didn't even acknowledge. He made a comment that, oh, he's just, he's just a teacher. But his wife, she, she could bring it. She'll bring the fire. We'll have her next time. So those words got me, y'all. Now he may hear this one day on this uh, on YouTube because this is going to be broadcast somewhere else, other places. But you know what the Bible says: that confession is good for the soul. So I'm not going to mention his name, but he'll know if he hear this. He'll know who he is. Now, what happened was I was hurt, and this scripture says. Pray for those. Oh, pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. So I was being persecuted emotionally. But I don't remember praying for him not one time after that happened. But God was dealing with me. You see, that's why I know that the scripture that says, if you don't forgive men their trespasses, I won't forgive yours. This couldn't mean that if you... Don't forgive somebody right away 
Because some people, it depends on how they got hurt. It depends on the severity of the hurt or the betrayal. It takes longer for some to let it go, to forgive. But God was dealing with me every each day I pray. And one day, about three months later, his wife got a hold of my wife and invited us to come and speak at their marriage conference, be the main speakers. My wife came and ran and told me, honey, honey, they want us, they want us to come over. I said, who? She told me who? I said, no, I ain't going. Nope. The first thing came out of my mind, in my mouth, I am not going. Was I hurt? Yeah, I was I was still hurt. I was yeah. I I had I was feeling some type of weight. But then I started thinking and God started dealing with me and he, and, he, and he flat out told me in my spirit, he said, Listen, boy, listen, son, I bless your marriage. You've been with your wife for 50 years. Been married for over 45 years to the same one. I bless your marriage so you can help bless other people's marriage. So you and your feelings, you better get out of it. Because this ain't about you. And I told my wife, call her and say, we, we'll be there. Now you talking about, you talking about really walking in the spirit? Oh, I was being led by the spirit because my, my flesh was like, at least he could have said something. He could have said he's sorry or something, man. Or, or thank you for coming or anything. But we went anyway. Long story short, the people were blessed. They said, thank y'all for coming because you helped so many people in this audience. And everybody in the audience was just thanking us afterward. They were asking us for our phone number, where our church at. So the moral of the story is this. The scripture tells us, in Proverbs, one more scripture I'm going to give you. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 22 and 23. Look at verse 21. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 21. It said that if thine enemy be hungry, give him bread to eat. And if, if he be thirsty, give him water to drink. For you shall heap coals of fire upon his head, and the Lord shall reward you. What did you, what did that what did that scripture just say? Now your enemy could be somebody that just hurt you. It don't have to be a, a, an adversary where you all just hate each other. It could be somebody that hurt you. God said, "Do good. Don't do. Don't go tit for tat." You see, when I went anyway, in spite of the way he did to me, he couldn't really give me no eye contact when we first got there. And I noticed, I noticed because he was a little ashamed. But I was being obedient to God. I said, Lord, I'm not going to let this, this unforgiveness control me because I understand what it is now. I got it. Okay, I got peace with it. So, God said, now I'm going to show you, I'm going to tell you what, I told you what unforgiveness is. It, it is sin. But I'm going to tell you what, it's not. 
I'm gonna tell you what it does what what it does mean, and I'm gonna tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that if I forgive you, that I'm letting you off the hook. Don't mean that. What it does mean is I'm letting you off my hook. You're still in God's hook. Yeah. The Bible said, vengeance is mine, said the Lord. I will repay. See, God going to get you. See, all I got to do is let it go. God got my back. He's going to take care. He's the one going to have coals on you when I, if I don't treat you like you treat me. If I let it go. Here's what it's not. Also, it's not this. I've heard people say, you must forgive and forget. Whoever, whoever said that was very misguided. I'm being a clinical therapist for, for a long time now. I've counseled people, many people. And personally, myself, I understand that you, you can forgive, but you, you're not going to forget. Be serious. That's just something that sounds good. You could be on your knees praying. You didn't already forgave a person. And guess who will bring that remembrance back to your brain, back to your mind? Why you on your knees praying? Satan himself. He ain't gonna let you forget. He's just gonna see if it still bother you. Can that person still work on you when they when you think about him or you you hear their name or you see their face? Say no, I'm good. See, I understand. See, I don't want to break fellowship with my, my with my father just because I want to be in my feelings. He said, "Forgive," and it's and. And it's not for, oh Lord. I'm going to tell you something else. Forgiveness is, forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not me having to go to you and tell you that I forgive you for you hurting me. That's not what forgive. That's not what it's about. It's all about, it's a heart transaction. I don't have to go to you. In fact, here we go. Forgiveness is not for you. You hurt me. The forgiveness, when I forgive you, that's for me. That frees me up. That frees me up for, for, for God to let the blessings flow and shine on me and, and give me favor because I'm not being disobedient. I'm not being hard-headed. I'm not being stubborn. No, it may not feel good. But he said, do it. Hallelujah. Mm, almost done, y'all. All I got to do is get on my knees. And Lord, I said, Lord, I forgive this person. That What does it mean? It Forgiveness simply means I don't wish no ill feelings toward this person anymore. I don't wish bad on them no more. I don't want revenge. I let it go. I'm pray for you. Stephen, one of the most powerful men of God who was stoned to death in, in the Bible and Acts, one thing he said to God, 
as they were stoning him to death. He looked up to heaven because he was preaching the gospel. But they were stoning him because he wouldn't shut up. He told God, he said, God, he was getting ready to die. The next brick probably killed him. He said, don't hold this against them, Lord. He didn't say, get him, God. Make sure you take care of them. He said, don't hold it against them. And the ultimate person, the ultimate sacrifice, Jesus himself, as he was getting ready to take his last breath, you know what he told the Father. Forgive him. Forgive him, Father. Because they don't know. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know who they're messing with. Because if they did, they wouldn't do that. You see, it's 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 easier to let something go when it's somebody that you don't know or it's somebody that's not in the kingdom of God. But when other pastors hurt you, it's harder to let that go. Because you think in your head, they know what they're doing. Why they do that? But then you got to get the scriptures in your mind, in your head. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, it says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers. Don't look at their face. It's a spirit behind everybody that says something about you, lied on you, hurt you maliciously. If they only knew who you was, the child of God, they not off God's hook. Let it go. Lastly, I'm going to say this. Whew, I got some tears in my eyes on that one. I'm sorry. It don't mean that you have to reconcile to the person that hurt you. Don't mean that. Three words I want you to remember. Not mutually exclusive. Say it again. Not mutually exclusive. What does that mean, Pastor? Terms that are mutually exclusive mean they can they they cannot coexist. Like war and, and peace and love and hate. They can't exist at the same time. But love and like and not like, you can love someone and not like them at the same time. There are people in my family that have stole from me and and lied and, and disrespected me, my name, not in person, they wouldn't dare do it in my face. But they did it. I'm talking about my, my blood. I don't hate them. I still love them. I don't want I don't wish bad on them, but I don't trust them. Oh, you come on, help me y'all. Trust is earned. You gotta earn trust. 
I don't want to be around you. So we don't have to be cool. We don't, it don't mean we have to get back together. We got to hang out and, 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 and socialize. No, I'll, I'll, I'll love you from a distance. In Jesus name. And that goes for anybody that's a part of the kingdom of God. You don't have to be, you don't have to be homies again, back to, no, but I do have to, I have to, I have to forgive. There's some people that's going to hear this tonight. Maybe tomorrow. There's some people that heard this tonight. And I know God, God spoke to your heart. He's dealing with you. There's some things you get, you have to let go with. And it's for your own benefit. Let the grace of God flow through you. As much as we've been forgiven for, we have no right to hold unforgiveness against anybody. That's what grace is all about. Grace is unmerited, unearned, and undeserved favor from God to us. We don't deserve it. We didn't earn it. But he gave it to us anyway. Praise God. Hallelujah. I thank you, Lord. I thank you for this, this word, this, these scriptures, Lord. I thank you for those that heard it. We let the scriptures read and speak for themselves, Father. Because anytime there's any confusion, Lord, you said ask for understanding and you will give wisdom and you'll give understanding. So I thank you, Lord, that people, the, some people that think you're just this mean father in heaven waiting to zap them and waiting to, waiting to whoop them and, 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 and lay the hammer down, but you're not that kind of father. Thank you, Lord, that we have grace and we are saved by grace through faith in your son. There may be somebody that's listening to this, Lord, that don't know you, that's not in relationship with you, Lord. I pray right now, Lord, that they will lift their hands. I pray, Lord, that they will lift their hands and receive what Jesus, the Christ, died and suffered and took our sins on the cross. He died that he took our punishment, Lord, so that we could live. The Bible says that we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. That's Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. Thank you, Lord, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You receive Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. If you sincere receive him sincerely, Thank you, Lord. God's got you in the palm of his hand. He's not waiting for you to slip up and mess up and forget to forgive somebody or forget something that you thought wrong or said wrong. 
did wrong, that's not the kind of God we serve. He just wants you to confess. Come clean with him daily. This writer says he's just and faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us. We need a daily cleansing. We can't let that dirt build up. The less we confess, the more the dirt build up. And the more it separate us, separates us from fellowship with God. Not relationship, but the fellowship. Don't let that unforgiveness trick you. And then you hold on to it. Let it go. I thank you right now. In Jesus' name. I got to go. I am out of time, not out of God. I always tell Pastor Miller, I tell Pastor Miller, I say, when people don't have questions, that means they got all the answers. I'm being facetious. I, I definitely don't have all the answers, but I learned a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I learned a lot. I'm being facetious. I know. <laughs> Amen. But that's the key. That's the key. Wisdom is principal thing. God has given you wisdom tonight. Wisdom is the word. The understanding is something that you got to ask extra for. And I pray that God has given you understanding tonight concerning scriptures that sound kind of contradict amen amen i learned i i i've read those scriptures a lot those same scriptures but i've never had them dissected or broken down the way that you did tonight so it's good that you can have sessions like this where you can teach and not preach at somebody or just get them excited about god but not knowing what they're getting excited about god for so it's good when you can go behind the words and see what they're trying to tell you Amen. Praise God. Well said, Pastor Miller. Thank God for you. Thank God for Jesus. Praise God. God bless everybody. What a powerful, powerful word. We'd like to thank Dr. Lehman Newtall from Thy Word Worship Center, located in Plymouth, Minnesota, for joining us and delivering that powerful, powerful word. Telling the truth, breaking it down so we can all understand it. Until next time, God bless and thanks for joining us.